0: Welcome to the Cheat Show. I am joined today by an uh, actor, comedian, author, uh, uh, I don't know, renaissance man, John
1: Marco Cerezi. John. I love that. I love that. You can't call yourself one, but if someone calls you a renaissance man, that's okay.
0: I don't know. I want. I was really excited about today's uh, interview because um, uh, you're a very interesting performer. Oh, thank Hard you. Hard to nail down. Not You know what I mean? I feel like I've been around comedy for long enough that I have a good read on, on who people are and what they're looking for and... and what their belief is with comedy and entertainment, like I can't nail you down at
1: all. I well, that's very kind. That's very kind. I'm, I'm a chameleon. Well, I did, I don't, you don't even know if that
0: was a compliment. I know, me, me <laughs>
1: I, I think it's. I think it's the, we're, What I'm we're, saying, I don't like you, John. No, no. Listen, I, <laughs> I that be that.
0: the best podcast, I just brought you here to yell at you and tell you why I was upset with you. Give me food poisoning. <laughs> I don't know how it goes. <laughs> so, um, I, before I jump into my questions, uh, I, I was just thinking about you today, and uh, I first was aware of you. When you were working, I guess, for uh, Gotham Comedy Club, Andy Engel. Mm. It's a good story. You don't know the story. Oh, I know no, no, no.
1: I've just been talking about those days with a friend recently.
0: I don't remember what year it was, but I do remember that. Uh, Pre-COVID. Yes, it was absolutely pre-COVID. And I was doing one of Andy's shows. And I, I saw you hosting. And I, I knew your name was John Marco. So I had I called Andy. And I don't know what we were talking about. But I was like, hey, um, is that I, for some reason, I was like, is John Marco like a foreign guy or something like that? Uh, I was like, uh, how do you know him or whatever? And it'd be like, it's Andy. Andy was just like, why? What'd he do? <laughs> was like He didn't do anything. It was great. I just, I watched him and I was, I was just curious who this, this host was. Yeah. And, uh, uh, no, John Marco is uh, American and a great comedian who, uh, where'd he come from John?
1: I come from, uh, Maryland, Potomac, Maryland.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: mom's Jewish. Dad's a little bit Italian and he played it up.
0: I was going to say that first name. is just a smidge Italian. I
1: used to think, I mean, he really lied to me. He made me think I was 100% Italian. And I gradually had to learn as I grew up and met real Italians.
0: Yeah, they went with John Marco because the name Lasagna was taken. Mm-hmm.
1: Was huh? uh, was being Italian a thing in your school? No, it was pretty, pretty, pretty white, pretty just dull, plain yeah. vanilla. So my little bit of Italian really shone through. You know, I was getting discriminated against for my mild <laughs> Italian heritage. But my dad said, he. he uh, speaking of food, he said, like, oh, we have this thing called Cerezi sauce. Like, it's a legendary sauce passed through generations. And one day I found it. It was just, like, ragu with butter <laughs> and some kind of cinnamon. <laughs> and that was it.
0: Now, did you go to a private school? Were oh, yeah, you I'm
1: Yeah. A private school, baby. Yeah, uh-oh.
0: I just lost all my, uh... Can you guys still hear? No, it vanished for me. Gotcha. I'm on it. I know what it is. Don't worry about it. No, no, I got it. I got it. Got it, got it. We're back. Yeah. That was a plug. Very high-tech operation over here. Okay, we spent all the money on the food. Uh, so yeah, yeah, you you definitely have a educated vibe about you. Do I? Yeah. Good. Yeah, you sit up straight, it costs like a lot of like money. like some teachers beat you so you had good posture. Like it reads on you, like ah, oh, this guy came from some money. Plus, I know your well, your parents were divorced a bunch. My parents are divorced, uh, both both uh, uh, twice. Twice. See, that's money. You know what kind of money you have to have to to be like, oh, God, I can afford to lose half of my half.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that's what the the like divorce rich people they'd be like when you get divorced, take all your assets, divide it in two, and then give half of that to the lawyer. Like they they know it deeply, so. So, yeah, they're doing pretty well, given they have an eighth of their original income.
0: Well, uh, yeah. So, I mean, basically, so I just felt like you came from an educated background, like someone had put time and energy into Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, yeah. It's
1: a good thing. It's a compliment. (laughs) And now I'm a comedian.
0: (laughs) I mean, so interesting. I mean, like, the first heartbreak must have been when you were like,
1: I'm going to be an actor. (laughs) (laughs) They were, I think they were pretty supportive. Uh, I don't know what they were thinking, really. I went to college for musical theater. I know. Which... I had a little bit of a scholarship, but look, we're looking at a $140,000 bill at the end of the day. What do they do? Uh, my dad, so he used to do oil cleanup, like where there used to be big oil spills in the ocean, and my dad would, would bid to, to clean it up. It used to be great. He retired in his 40s. Retired in his 40s. We had a Ferrari. We were coming oh to New York, God. going to the Plaza Four Seasons, and then he put all his money, uh, the dot-com... Uh, bubble bursting, really affected. Oh, no. He put it all in, so he had to go back to work. Now he does scrap metal recycling. He does. He has He's one of these guys. It's a similar strain with me. He has twenty different companies, twenty different logos. Only two he, of them are in operation. So, wait,
0: scrap metal. So he fell down the ladder to mafia. <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> kind he of. didn't start in the mafia. He yep. had to show up there and be <laughs> like, "Hey, the name's Sarezi. Things are tough. Can I?" Uh-
1: <laughs> he'd always tell me like mafia mafia isms, where he'd be like, "He'd be like, son, don't ever." Don't ever go against the family. Son, don't ever get in bed with the mob. And I'm like, Dad, we don't know anybody in the mob. <laughs> what are you talking about? So he's doing fine, but he's, uh, he, he wanted to be just really rich. And now he just works 24-7. Ugh. All right. All right. Well, is he married again? No. Last I checked, he had a, a girlfriend who's younger than me. Uh, uh, I don't know if they're still together or whether she got too old. How do you not know if they're still together? We, we got a tough, we got a tough relationship. My dad and I. It's more this, and this is something my mom dates too. By the way, it must
0: be a huge hit around the fucking scrap metal yard when he's like, "My kid, musical theater." Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: he loves it. <laughs> uh, I AMC. don't know. I think adults they get to an age where, like, whenever they have a fight, whenever they have a fight, they say, "My dad would always John, be like." I was just saying that. Uh, yeah, I was just telling you to okay. lean back a little. <laughs> that's all. I, uh, I feel like. The reason I stopped paying attention to my dad is, is he every time he called, he was like, we broke up. And then the next phone call, he'd, he'd talk about them being together without referencing that they had gone back together. So I just gave up. I said, he's acting like a high schooler. He's with them. He's broken up. He's with someone new. He's broken up. I can't keep track. I'll wait for Thanksgiving. I'll learn her name. And then we'll get to the end of the meal. <sighs> and I might never see her again. And that's okay. That's life. It's always until you have to call the younger girl mom. Sure, sure. I with step parents, you. I always called them by like I have a stepfather, and I just called him Bill, growing up, because I want him to know he was replaceable. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't like me either. Well, I mean, I can't imagine why. Sure, I look like the last guy that fucked his wife. So, oh boy, what are you gonna do?
0: Bob, how so you both parents. So your dad's dating younger. Your mother's remarried still. No,
1: they got divorced So my mom married my dad's former lawyer Oh! Uh, oh uh, yeah. my god uh, Yeah, it was part of the settlement Are and you sure this isn't a reality show? I, well, listen, I'm trying to make it into all sorts oh of my, TVs a, and movies. This is a
0: sitcom <laughs> I mean, it's one of those bad sitcoms Where I was like, what are you so upset about? Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: uh, and I get
0: one third <laughs> I'm
1: So she's dating again but uh, I think she doesn't like dating. She's not like a cougar. She's not into like, younger guys. Okay. But I think the guys her age and older are like, a little too old for her now. So she's figuring it out.
0: Okay. So obviously you had a um, – I don't want to say traumatic, but you had a challenging childhood. Uh,
1: yeah, I wouldn't say traumatic I'd say like depressing Clinically depressed childhood.
0: Oh, I saw the goth photos Yeah, 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 yeah That, that yeah. did not
1: scream yeah. <laughs> He was goth a child that leads to uh, theater <laughs> school To be fair, I became like goth Because I was at a summer camp And the the goth uh, uh, women at this camp You can't say slutty anymore But they were empowered mm. You know, they were very empowered And like I remember this goth guy I was just, I was alone on, on uh, some, some camp event And he said, hey, this is Mallory You two should make out And she was like Sure. And I was like, I am goth now. If this is how it works, I am goth forever. So uh, I enjoyed that face. I enjoyed that face. You look good in eyeliner. I want to see you bring it eyeliner back. Eyeliner looks really great. I think eyeliner on men, I, if I could I, get away I with it. S- look, I say this with admiration. Fucking actors. They fucking they Eyeliner fucking love- on men looks so good. I'd love to wear it fully. If I now I'm a comedian, I'd get too much shit for it, so I can't.
0: Well, all right. So I, what I find most fascinating about you is so scholarship, musical theater. So that's no joke. You have talent. Like you, you have ability. It's and not. Ability. It's not like you were just some some lost kid that was like, I'm an actor. Like you had training and skill and ability yeah. enough so that people spent money on you to go to this school, or the school gave you money. Sure. This is this you know speaks to effort and work and.
1: Yeah, I think I have I have stage presence. I have I have a degree of charisma. I wasn't a, I, I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be a great singer. And I worked, I spent most of my college in a, a practice room doing scales over and over again. And after four years, I was like, I'm not getting better. And when you go to New York and you realize the talent in singing, mm. it is a brutal wake-up call. Because uh, I kept cracking. I wanted to be a tenor. And, you know, cracking where your voice goes, ah, And, like... Bombing doesn't hold a candle to singing an intense ballad on stage and cracking and suddenly becoming Tarzan in the middle of an emotional epic song. Nothing compares to that embarrassment. And so I did one big show in college. It was Carousel. There's a song called Soliloquy. It's a manly man. I shouldn't have played the part. Manly man singing about his daughter and how he's going to protect her. And at the end he goes, I'll I'll go out and make it or steal it. And I went, or take it in front of like 400 people. And when I went backstage, no one could make eye contact with me. There was no way to say, eh, tough crowd. It was all me. And that those moments, I had enough of them that I said, fuck this. I'm out. I'm out. I'm becoming a comedian.
0: Did you go write the a comedian, or were you like, oh, I'm going to be an actor? I was an actor. actor. I went I'm to an, an acting actor.
1: program in Philly, and I was like, I'm going to be the next Daniel Day-Lewis. And again, I think, like I'm, I think I'm a fine actor. I don't think I'm, I, I, I'm a, a masterful actor. And I also realized that's not what I wanted— you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who I loved, he did Long Day's Journey into the Night, a four-hour Eugene O'Neill play. And I was like, oh, if my life goes according to plan, I would be doing that on Broadway. I would be doing a Long Day's Journey into the Night twice on a Saturday. And I was like, I don't want to do that emotionally. And uh, then one day I wrote a play where I talked to the audience. Everyone's feedback was like, we really liked that part, not the other part. And I... And I had a friend who was like, you need to really do stand-up comedy. And I just went like, I just became addicted. I need the feedback. It's not. Sometimes I'm like, is it stand-up or is it because I'm addicted and I like to craft with constant feedback? And that's what you get with stand-up.
0: So I don't feel you fall into this category, which is is why I wanted to talk to you about this. Um, As comedians, we're usually kind of skeptical of actors that do comedy. Sure. Because a lot of actors will go to comedy and be like, I'll just do it for the weekend and put it on my resume. Like, they don't, they don't consider it a full-time craft. They consider it an added skill. Like, I have a license, and I do stand-up comedy. Like, the, the skills thing on the bottom of the resume where it's like, of I course. could drive a car, I could ride a horse, I could do stand-up. Like, they just, they just add it on without actually putting the work in. And yeah. I, don't, I don't consider you no, that at all. And
1: I was that for a couple of years, and, and, like, I don't even count them really as when I started stand-up because I would do one bringer show every four months. Uh, I hate that now, but I do think comics complain about that, and then no one holds the comic to account when they join a sitcom and are the worst (laughs) fucking actor on that sitcom of all time. Like, there's a lot of comics who then, like, the moment they can start acting, they do it full time, and you want to be like, well, hey, guess what? This is also a craft.
0: Well, yeah, no, usually you know, the guys I know that get those opportunities usually hire acting teachers and like start sure. like they really try. But some to- of
1: the actors try to do that with stand up, too. Yeah, you can't. You, listen, there's some talented ones that have made it, mm. but a lot of them, they try to cram an acting training. And it's just a lesson of we're both in tenuous art. Actors and comedians are both in, in tenuous art forms that are hard to define, that people dabble. in. Shaquille O'Neal has done stand up and acting. That's crazy. But we... I mean, I think the exception of the rule is T.I. What a... I mean, <laughs> just... What a blessing that he
0: stopped spitting rhymes and yeah. picked up some punchlines. Yeah.
1: T.I. Uh, T. Oh, does does <laughs> that. Ice-T, you know, is in the longest running actor franchise of all time. So oh, I, he
0: was bragging about his money the other day. He was... Because <laughs> the, the uh, 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 residuals.
1: Yeah. Okay. So he was... He, the residuals he gets from TV as opposed to film insane. are insane. Yeah. But I think... I think uh, I think there's a lot of actors who do that because their agents say, you know, do a stand-up show, that's a good way to get seen. It's a cool talent. But I think both of us have to respect the fact that we're in art forms that don't get respect and do require a lot of skill and are often overlooked as to how hard they actually are. Well,
0: stand-up's a, a low art. I, I feel like acting gets more respect. Comedies, yeah. you know.
1: Stand-up is a low art until it becomes, like, the most respected thing of yeah. all time. It's it's kind of crazy. Those, like, those those superstars like like Chappelle or Louis or or Chris Rock they're like Philosopher Kings yeah yeah yeah. The fans, and then yeah. like and then like below them everything below them is like trash trash <laughs> yeah. and then it's yeah so there's a weird there's a weird thing with stand-up with that it's
2: kind of the same way though because it's like you know we've met a million actors who don't have any credits or have like one or two like and it's not like their friends and family are like looking at them as higher than someone who's like got addicted to stand up last month you know it's kind of the
1: same if people anything. as an insult always be like uh who are you and it's like do you really think that that's an indicator of there's genius actors doing regional shakespeare in missouri yeah and it's like it's it's such a it's such a crazy thing in this world where the the top one percent becomes you know more and more isolated to mm-hmm. think that anyone below it is talentless yeah.
0: so do you, uh do you know billy Gardell? Uh, Mike and Molly, um, uh-huh. yes. So Billy's a friend of mine. He's very into acting, uh, and he takes whenever he's in New York, takes me to Broadway. And uh, you know, so I'm watching these Broadway plays, and I'm thinking, I'm like, they're great actors, and I'm like, oh my god, these guys are acting every day at three o'clock hoping someone puts them in a
1: sitcom. Yeah. Like, yeah. Th- it's really hard. And it's like, brutal. Oh. Like, in London, uh, they always say their Hollywood and their Broadway is in the same place. So, like, their, their theater actors have a chance to make money, have a career. But here it's brutal. It is yeah. brutal. You'll see an actor win a Tony Award and it's like, their agent is probably like, great, now we can get you on Law & Order. Yeah. Now that you're at the highest of theater. There's just a split. So
0: I'm not... As versed as you are But what is it when you win I think it's like Is it three Tonys or
1: Three So there's Are you talking about the EGOT Is that what it is Their EGOT is Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony Which to like only a couple people have gotten I think uh, Whoopi Yeah Or uh, more than one Tony Maybe that's it More than one Tony I don't know what they call that So there was a film called This Way Up Uh huh I haven't seen that one
0: um, Well I bumped into one of your friends At the At the premiere Oh you, you're right. known everywhere, by the way. Like, oh, it's crazy. God. Like, I mean, all right, so I'm in a very uh, actor filled environment. So, for them to know you, that makes a lot of sense. I've gone out with girls and they've been like, Do you know John Marco Cerezi? I'm like, Yes, but this is not the right time to talk
2: about <laughs> <God>. him.
1: <laughs> I, I, became, I, I, know, this, I became. I became. Mean, I've known you forever, but I forever know. I know knows you. We go way back.
2: Yeah, that's actually rare for this show. Usually, it's someone Ryan goes back with, and no one's allowed to do any research. And now I'm funny hearing <laughs> that was. Like
0: a, that's a rumor like, that was not <laughs> created by me. I just. I didn't <laughs> want a conversation before the. Sure. But we go back to.
2: Yeah, well, that's the thing. I met you when you were producing like stand-up shows in like a storage closet of the Pit Improv Theater on Twenty Fourth Street. The The Pit attic. Yeah, the Pit attic, and and it was one of those things because there's so much. I mean, there was plenty of stand-up there, but it was a lot more theater kids, acting kids uh, type of thing, dabbling in stand-up. And you stood out right away, like, to everyone. Like, because I remember I'd hear you get on podcasts I would listen to. remember when you were on um, Let's Talk About Sets. I feel like I got to know your backstory yeah, a lot yeah, from yeah. that one. And even then, they were like, wait, you just started?
1: What the fuck thank God <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean have you but I mean, like have you read his bio like you the only thing I got from his bio is, oh, he never wants a family <laughs> like <laughs> it's, yeah. he's in an improv troupe, he's in a sketch troupe, he's writing a screenplay, he's performing every night, I'm like, oh he's never gonna have kids that's uh-huh, uh-huh, that's uh-huh. it's brutal I read the, I mean it's great, but I was like, yeah, I know. now and and the funny part is like in uh obviously when you read people's bios you think there's some fluff there I see him working on this shit every night oh, every, yeah. every, night. Him every his, night him and his dumb tea he parks himself in a <laughs> corner with his
1: computer ugh it's yeah
2: and then I'll talk to people producing with him and they're like yeah he doesn't stop he's just always grinding and I'm like Let's, uh, I've seen it now from when I entered this space probably around the same time you did it really is what matters you know that's who separated from the pack the people who grinded and put the effort in like, yeah yeah but there's always a
0: reason yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like he could have put it in cruise control a couple of times. He's not. <laughs> there is there is a deep my, thing inside of him that is demanding attention because he was not getting it or my he My girlfriend's feels... working
1: on it. She's working on that cruise control button. <laughs> We're going to Cancun in December. Right,
0: that me... seems very much not like you. <laughs> That's the
1: time it's you go. it's definitely it's definitely a, her idea trip and it's uh, I think like vacations are for us, for me, it's like the tests of our relationship. Mm-hmm. So we have to like, dis- okay, how much work am I doing? What do we do? We went to Vegas. We, I did the celebration. I was like, Dude, you're,
0: not, you're not a Vegas guy Bro, at all. Oh, so oh. just so you know, John Marco, in my opinion, is like, if LA lifestyle was a person, that's John, Mar- <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> he eats very clean. He does a lot of hiking. There's, uh-huh. he, oh God, I, I, was, I don't know why I saw it, but like you went to some meditation vacation.
1: Uh, yeah. Oh. Tova and I we went to, that was, again, that was Tova. That was, it was like her spa retreat meditation thing. I read that stuff. It makes me furious. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, the how cost
2: to a meditation retreat?
1: <laughs> the food was good there. <laughs> so, so yeah, she's, she's helping me find a little bit of balance. Thank God. I, need I don't, some. you are, you're full throttle, man. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, she's out know. of town right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm back. I'm working. Uh, back to your old ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> He's one of the, one of the rare fruit, a uh, few that comes in here and it really, I I don't see him. I don't even, I don't, I'm sure you're, you're excited when you see bigger comedians, but you don't really, you kind of just sit down and start cranking out scripts.
1: I think it's cool. It's cool seeing bigger comedians until they bump me and then <laughs> I go, you know what? I'm over this shit. Yeah. I'm done. So, uh, I still like the, the comedians who would really make me at this point, like it would be Anthony Jeselnik, who's one of my, one of my, one of my idols. He's in my movie. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, I've been around a long time, man. <laughs> I know everybody's secrets. They owe me. I uh, Cheslenick or Mulaney. I've never met Mulaney. Nice and guy. Those two, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, you know, once you once you see someone once, it's pretty shocking. I, I remember the first time, you know, Chris Rock was here, and I was I ran to the room to watch. And then the second time, you're like, all right. It's just like people become human in comedy really fast. Well,
2: that's what they want, too. You know, they don't want sure. to be around fanboys. They want to be around people who just, like, see the person.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes, they, <laughs> sometimes some, some people, they just don't want you to talk to them, period. Yeah. And you go, okay, that's your style. That's fine. <laughs> I understand. I, I
0: mean, there might be a few. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say too many. Maybe not here.
1: I just think it's more, I'm sure they've had a lot of people who look like me. Young up and coming white comics. That was also a, that
0: was also one of my questions. I feel like so you're uh, you're a tall, handsome guy. He's in good shape. I feel like these things are going to hurt you in the comedy community. <laughs> I feel
1: like
2: <laughs> You enunciate every syllable. I know. <laughs> I know.
1: No, it's that's fine. I I just imagine like I imagine like some famous comedians. They've seen me come up to them before, and the first thing they say is, "I'd love to open for you sometime." Oh, yeah. So I understand why there's a degree of like. Let's keep this uh, uh, cordial uh, But yeah Whatever the marketplace Listen being, being a whatever I am Certainly doesn't hurt in the touring department mm. yeah. Touring is still uh, Very much back in, in the days Where you see their lineups And you go oh wow I guess diversity Has not hit this particular part of Oklahoma City yet And uh, you know you, 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 you work where you're wanted And where you're not you just figure out Different ways
0: I guess so. I mean, so I mean that. Another question I would have is um, a person with such a um, varied background. What do you actually want? And I like to ask this question. So, like the comedy gods come down and they go, "All right, what do you want, man? Is it a movie? Is it a TV show? Do you want to be on Broadway? What do you want?" And not twelve things. Like you get one choice here. What do you want?
1: For me, it's it's stand up. Just straight stand up. straight stand up. I love it. I okay. love it so much. I I, I look at like people like uh normand and i asked myself like if i was doing three headlining shows friday and three headlining shows saturday and two sunday would i be tired of it and i don't know the answer because i haven't done that but i definitely want to taste that yeah i want to taste that yeah because yeah because i love i just when i when i f- do well in stand up nothing makes me feel better
2: and that tracks john Marco was like opted out like you were one of the, like you were in every sketch for Uncle Function
1: when they were headlining. My sketch
0: team, Uncle Function. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, I read the bio.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was yeah.
0: at UCB, and then
1: UCB closed. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm addicted to stand up. But
2: even then, you were just up. like so focused on stand, like because I remember I was in tech with you guys, and you're like, hey, yeah, yeah, I got spots though. <laughs> like
1: you're like, I, you know, I, people have asked. i have been working on you know the TV pitch and the movie pitch, but it's hard because I just. Uh, I'll be working on that, and then I'll see, God, I saw Shane Gillis at the VU, and it was so astounding. I went, fuck. And I'm just like, gotta go back to stand-up. Fuck this movie. Who gives a fuck about I mean, this movie? I mean, he's,
0: he's also another guy who's, uh, his, his sketch stuff online. Amazing. Fantastic. Amazing. And every time I see one, I'm like, man, NBC must be kicking themselves. <laughs>
1: like, that is... For sure. It was a real, it was a real missed opportunity just to, like, make the show... Different, unique, different to change it to really shake it up. Um, he's rhythm. astounding. Yeah. He's astounding. That set at the V really fucked me up. <laughs> he's a, he's an accomplished person too, though as
0: well. He went to West Point. Like we're not. Yeah, these are not the people that succeed. Succeed for a reason. Uh-huh. There's no whoopsies. Uh huh. Yeah, he works very hard and uh he's very talented. But as are you. Thank the, you. This is your cheat day. So. This is my cheat day. It's your cheat day. <laughs> so stand up, yes, and things so obviously. Given the way things are now, would you eat cuz you put a lot of time into everything you do? Would you spend time trying to develop a pitch for TV?
1: Yeah, I think I'm like I'm like working on my, you know, my fucked up family mm. uh living with my single mom who's dating pitch, figuring that out. So I'm will do it. I'll do it, but I think like I want it, I want it to be a vehicle for my comedic ideas and I wouldn't be interested in like writing Something that doesn't include me yeah. or, or you know, some high concept piece. I want it to be a place where I can filter my comedic ideas.
0: No, that makes sense. I mean, you want to put the effort in, but you want to get something out of it as well. Uh, you know, obviously, and things
1: are, you obviously generated your own audience yeah, to some degree, yeah? I'm, I mean, I'm doing the social media game so hard. And it's it's a tenuous game because it's wild how I will have, you know, video that gets half a million likes and then i go to mckinney texas which is near dallas and there's 10 people at the friday night show and you go like how the fuck do i connect these two worlds and we're all figuring that out i mean there are people with big social media followings that it does translate we were talking the other day you know tiktok fans don't really translate but youtube fans translate a little more so i'm figuring it out uh, but it 's gradual, you know which isn 't the worst thing in the world to to gradually build a base. You get to figure it out. I think sudden fame can be scary. Yeah. you can have a fan base that is confusing, like mm-hmm. like whoa, why is this contingency coming out this isn 't necessarily the audience. my art is specified for i I was really interested to see like the try guys you know the try mm-hmm. guys they had their whole incident online. part of the reason it was such a big thing is. They found their one video resonated with women ages, you know, 20 to 40. So their brand became we're the non-toxic right. guys. And, and ultimately it comes to bite them in the ass because one of their guys cheats and it is the end of the world because mm. they have built their whole brand specifically on like women of a certain age and who see them as non-toxic men. Mm. And then their whole image counters that. I think – that's honestly the solution to a lot of like, you know, quote unquote, can I be canceled or not? It's like, well, did you build a fan base right. that loves you for you?
0: When they stop buying, when they yeah. stop spending money. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, that's.
2: I mean, we were just talking about Shane. Like his, his controversy just led to his fan base being just like ardent comedy nerds. Because eventually like a bunch of assholes filtered in. I'm sure a lot of them are still there. But sure. I don't, the comments don't look like they did two years ago. Of course. You know, like of course. they get bored because they don't care.
1: Uh, and you he's know, not a,
2: you know, that's not the art he was making in the first place. He was making.
1: Ariel Elias, who opened for mm. me and like went viral because she had this confrontation with a with a Trump person. Yeah, you know, I'm sure like there's going to be some like real like liberal democrat like who are are tweeting every day about how trump is you know this orange monster or whatever and arielle's a dark comedian arielle has some dark jokes that i'm sure will rub them the wrong way and it's gonna you know it'll take just calibrating Mm -hmm. but i'm sure some people love her and and would love nothing more than to go and watch her like shit on republicans for an hour and that's not what she does
0: but i mean i know that's not what she does but i mean like she's also those are jokes yeah she's a very gracious kind person that would pretty much sit down with anyone I, I can't you know oh for sure i you know i know i know her husband uh i, I don't she doesn't draw a hard line like there are some people that are like what, what are you i can't i can't i can't talk to you you can't be my facebook friend if those are your views like yeah. she's not that at all yeah
1: uh,
2: like getting a beer thrown at you might, <laughs> might influence that opinion a little
1: bit sure what's but your yeah, worst she- moment on stage anything ever like that happening I mean God, something happened the other what day. What happens at
0: musical theater?
1: <laughs> I, I I worked at LOL, I still do LOL. You still do LOL. It's it's my it's my open mic, you know? Okay. So
0: uh, for those of you that aren't aware, LOL's in Times Square, it was formerly Ha Comedy Club, which was just a garbage comedy club, and someone looked around and was like, "We can make it worse." And now it's LOL. I've never worked LOL, but I am fascinated by their their on call system of like well, it's open It's gotten spots. even worse.
1: It's gotten so it, it was in Times Square, and they had three rooms, and that's how I started. I did every check spot there, ninety percent check spots for like my first year into comedy, sure. which for me was great, terrific. Was four spots, six spots a uh, hard but packed audiences. Yeah. Comedy steroids. I,
2: hostile shows and stuff like that. Yeah, there, right? yep. yeah.
1: And and then basically they lost that lease, so they moved to the owner's gay bar, which is uh, on 48th Street between 8th and 9th Avenue. Yeah, that and, was
0: just for you, that invitation. Hey, <laughs>
1: <Yeah. laughs> yeah, the club's
0: in my uh, apartment now, so uh, just let yourself in. I don't know what I, I, imagined, <laughs> and,
1: what I imagined in my head, but this this I, I don't know a gay man who would set foot in this building. I mean, this was like, it was just LOL, but Lil Nas X was playing on the TV screen. It was, it was and I talk, op- I openly share it because I think there's a mutual no respect, you know, I don't get paid for most of my spots there, but I had an incident the other, the other week where there was a woman talking brutally, and then at some point she, she just said, waiter, waiter, mid-set. And, and like, you know, waved him down. I think I made some hacky joke about it. it looked like she was making a Heil Hitler. And then she looked me right in the eye and did a Heil Hitler <laughs> full on. And uh, uh, then her husband... Uh, I, I, you know, roasted her and her husband, who was very old, who couldn't hear. Was like, you know, we we didn't we don't pay you to make fun of us. And I said, I'm not getting paid for this spot. And he said, I don't believe you. So I yelled to the bar. I said, guys, am I getting paid for this spot? And they're like, no. And then and then eventually he left. And as he left, he was like, you're an anti semite. You're an anti semite. And I was like, I'm Jewish. What do you mean? And he goes, you're weird. you're weird. And then he left. And even though it was a show for nobody and it has no professional impact on me, there are moments like that. I've gotten a lot of uh, weird anti-Semitic three shows in the South. They said I'm Jewish. Someone in the audience went, ugh. And there's something about when you're a comic, you do feel like you're taking the temperature of the country because you're just in a lot of spaces. And you see what people are comfortable doing. Mm -hmm. In a performance space, and there is a feeling I can't help but where I'm like, feels like we're all getting real comfortable with the Jewish, the Jewish roasting right now. I look, I thought
0: you know, I, I did colleges for like I don't know, ten years, but like you go to all those places, Oklahoma and Nebraska, and you spend time there. I think those were it was actually a huge benefit because you actually get to see how people live, and uh,
1: they're pretty poor. <laughs> it's pretty poor out there. Yeah. I don't know if you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good. This is why I think like ultimately comic forces you. We, we, to be a super political comedian is strange only because you, you see the whole country and you see, you understand. I know comics, this was before I was doing comedy really, but they were like, oh, we knew Trump was going to win. We knew Trump so, was going
0: so to win. So just to bring it back to food, or at least start on is that um, the punchline of, of McDonald's, McDonald's is a punchline, it's garbage food, it's clown food, you hear that over and over again, but if you go to these places that don't have a good economy, McDonald's is jammed. It's jammed. It's where people bring their kids on Saturday and Sunday because it's cheap and they can afford it. And yeah, we'd all love, you know, the fresh kale salad, but it's more expensive
2: than a cheeseburger. I
1: I say I I have a joke on stage right now where I was in Royal Oak uh, at the Comedy Castle and I asked the owner of the club. I was like, hey, is there a good place to get a salad around here? And he was like, it's a pretty liberal area. And I was like, that's, <laughs> I can't, that's, you know, food shouldn't <laughs> have political affiliations. It sounds it, expensive. It yeah.
0: It's fresh. It's, it's a, a, you know, lettuce, almonds, these things are, are it's are not water, filling. So you need but,
2: more,
1: but
0: they're water. They're, they're also water hungry crops. They're expensive crops. Uh-huh. So like it's, I'm sorry, McDonald's nailed it. They're going with cheap meat and that's, it's affordable. Yeah.
1: What's, they're going to start doing pizza, I heard. And once that's, it's over. Yeah. It's McDonald's everywhere.
2: You just stuff an oven in there. You know, that's the thing is whatever they roll out, they just have to roll out to a million kitchens. And yeah. look, I, mean,
0: yeah. I mean, if we're talking about entertainment, we're talking about politics. Trump ate McDonald's. Like, that, how many true. people were like, hey, I ate McDonald's. Liberals made yeah. fun of
1: that, that picture of him amidst yeah. all the fast food. And there is a part <laughs> of me that I'm like, I bet it was a delicious meal. Yeah. I've
0: been to that Super Bowl party. I'm like, I know exactly what yeah, that is. Yeah,
2: exactly. I'll tear that up.
1: Yeah, So, but what's your
0: daily diet like? What do you do? Uh,
1: uh, very healthy-leaning. I uh, omelet all the time. Ever since my doctor cleared me to eat as many eggs as I wanted, I'm Why? like— we, Oh, were you allergic to eggs? I had a little bit of high chole- high good cholesterol, and then they said it's fine. Who would even fine. know
0: that? I know, right?
1: What's a, what, it? Okay. Are they, what do they measure? What do you, what do you no,
2: measure? but the fact, he's going to his doctor regularly. That's what that means. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They plug you
1: in. So I eat an uh, omelet with, with veggies. Uh, uh, I have one bag of baby carrots a day. I've just always loved carrots. It's weird. I, I oh, was, no. Our chef
0: was like, what's wrong with this guy? I, like, was fed ah. them a lot.
1: I was fed them a lot I as a baby. I think that's what it is. So much so my mom had to stop because when you're a baby, you, uh, my skin was turning slightly orange. The Whatever the orange chemical in carrots is, when you're a baby, it does get you orange. Um, so I eat like a lot of like unsalted almonds Unsalted cashews My girlfriend hates me for all this shit She she likes she likes some some sugary food mm. I No sugar for me wow. No sugar um, And luckily my sweet tooth like decreased Once I took it out of my coffee It's yeah, all too exactly. sweet for me You drink
0: coffee, I would not have guessed that oh. uh, I would have I guessed that you were like Caffeine's bad No,
2: and... no,
1: coffee is Any creamer or dairy in your coffee? I'm doing like a little bit of oat milk nice. A little bit of dab But I always tell myself I gotta go black Yeah I gotta go black. But I
2: keep I keep getting either either odor hole.
0: I yeah. do black because um it uh it, I just don't have the patience. To yeah. get it. I, I'm just like just,
1: just I don't I don't care I don't yeah. care what it tastes like just give it to me. I'm never ordering French fries. French fries for me get out. or McDonald's get that, out. If something big happens, if I when I make my late night debut, that'll be the night I have uh, that that meal. So we I got like we got five or six more years before I have French fries ever again. Uh, I don't know. God. You're probably in the in
0: people's. Are you are you are you working on something for someone?
1: There, there was there was one thing, and then you know how it goes. Mm-hmm. Oh God, do it I? Seems like it's about to happen, and then you go, "Wait, what?" Oh God, do I? Said no to one thing because another thing was in the canon, and then that went away, and you're like, "Why the fuck did I say no to the first? Yes, I a nightmare. Oh
0: God, you know, like it's funny because you see it on every level. Like when you when you start comedy in New York City, there are definitely those guys that come up to you and they're like hey, I booked this. You're great. Why don't you come down? And then you go down and they just ghost you right to your face. And you're like, you told me to come. Yeah. But it it keeps happening. It happens on every level. So like then you get to the TV level and you have people that are like, you'd be great on the show. And then you never hear from them. You're like,
1: why did you do that? At least it's not an end all be all. Like I, I hear the stories from the Johnny Carson days. Uh, or, or read the books about it, and you go, "Ugh, that really sucked." Because it was just one dude. One layer, yeah. It was one dude, and when Carson didn't want you back, like Jay Leno, like I guess his third set wasn't as strong, so Carson stopped booking him, and his career started to go down. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until Letterman right. saved Leno's career, it's which true. is amazing, amazing. Uh, and that sounds worse. So, like you know, but I mean, they were both employed by Jimmy Walker. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Walker, who was very
0: famous for Good Times, of that, had them as writers. That's and, amazing. And now Jimmy Walker, you know, I I let you know and let him try to help him, but it's right? like crazy. It's like I, I met him on a morning show I was working on, and uh, he was very adamant and loud about the fact that he would not say dynamite unless you paid him like 20 grand or something, something crazy That's like great. that. And I'm five. like, good for him.
1: Yeah, you got to. Yeah, I. Oh, all right. Oh we got, some, we got some food
0: coming out here. Chef Raff surprising us. Oh, this so, is astounding. I need you to tell me what you said you liked, like what you sent to me. Uh-huh. Uh huh. If you remember, I have it on I, my phone. Yeah,
1: you might have to remind me, but I said, I definitely said ramen. Ramen, I mean, I grew up with ramen as like my single divorced dad. That was the meal, it was ramen. So it's nostalgic for me too.
0: I love ramen, baby carrots. Baby and carrots. eggs, scrambled in particular. Oh my Did you drug god!
3: Stop in your ramen? Like, Raph's response: no, Baby carrots. What's wrong with this guy? <laughs> that is exactly what I said. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was a hilarious response. My birthday dinner is
0: definitely a big ramen thing Ooh. or sushi, like a Nobu. No allergies. I'll eat practically anything. No, won't. we just talked to him about what he'll eat. He will not eat practically anything. So what are we looking at? What is this? What's going so, on?
3: So anyway, what you have in front of you, um, I didn't want to make you a bowl of ramen to eat on a podcast. I feel like that would have been fucking weird. <laughs> so I kind of gave you like an in-between of uh, noodles with a bunch of ramen broth that has been like reduced down to kind of coat it. And you just have all of the things that would top a ramen, but they're inside of it. So... Don't stand on uh, precedent Jump in That's, oh, uh, This is guys. an eating Please podcast eat Please eat it oh. yeah. So it's um, The proteins in there, Pork belly And also veal cheeks I wanted to wait Veal really, cheeks Wait till you That's took down. a bite What is a veal I, cheek? I waited till he took a bite Before I told him it
0: What's is a veal cheek?
3: My cheek of a veal Of a baby cow This area I've never even heard of that Yeah they're super tender And delicious Are they Common in food? Not really my, You only uh, get so much per cow you know? That's correct, yeah. For baby cows, actually. <laughs> so is it considered? But is it considered a good part? It's, yeah, cheeks are mm-hmm. like synonymously the most tender part of any animal. So. I asked because yeah. the things
0: my grandmother used to eat were, were always like the worst part of the animal. You know what I
3: mean? You know, no, no, she, cheeks aren't like. Give me like, the, give me the giblets. Like <laughs> or, you know, they're, they're not like livers or kidneys. They're like very mild in taste and just super succulent and super soft because, you know, the animal uses its mouth a lot. Yeah. So it's very, it's very tender. You know? Wow. Delicious. Yeah, so so whenever my butcher has cheeks of any kind, I'll I'll bounce on them. Pounce on them? I'll pounce on them. How is it?
1: Amazing. It's astounding. Thank you so much. Yeah,
3: uh, yeah I just kind of had this weird thing in my head where, like, listening to somebody slurp for 30 minutes would be <laughs> fucking disgusting, so. Oh, uh, no, no. This is actually a, this is that's what the show is. I not make it as brothy. Uh, it would just be a personal, personal uh, issue that I would have.
1: Yeah, you know, I think ramen is is just... I'm not a big... For an Italian, I'm not really big into, like... If I'm going to do pasta, it's going to be ramen. There's just nothing better. I love it so much. I think just cup of noodles. I think, for me, nostalgia with food is such a big part. Like, just eating ramen, it's just what I did as a kid. And so there's something, I think, that adds to the meal.
3: I would definitely agree with you. I mean, food is... um you know, when you're eating something from your childhood, there's really nothing better than that. Right? Because mm. food is memories.
1: Yeah. Are you a big ramen guy?
3: Um, yeah. I mean I never I never really ate it so like, I never really ate it as a kid. I didn't really go to college, so I never had like the, the eat, cheap, eat like, ramen phase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had like the eat dollar slice phase. Mm. So, you know, there's that, but yeah, I don't know. I ate a lot of mozzarella sticks growing up. Where's uh where's your butcher? So, Pino's Butcher, shout out to to the boys, they're on Sullivan Street. Um, it's on Sullivan and House, and they've been around for like 120 years. They are incredible. And that's right around the corner from the Comedy seller who's a great sponsor of the podcast. They've been uh, uh,
0: uh, promoting and letting us shoot here and everything.
1: Yeah. So, you, you said like whenever he has Cheeks, are there like seasons for like, oh, this season is when Cheeks come in, or like when you go there and it's random?
3: Nah, they, they have them like quite frequently- um, it's just a lot of people want them. Really? You know? Yeah.
0: I feel like if you tell your Italian relatives you ate veal cheek, they'd be very impressed. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, it's nice. You put a little mozzarella on it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Goes good with a tongue sandwich. No,
1: now, your meat guy, do you like? Do you have to, like, give him a tip at the end of the year to stay as a favorite client? Like, like you have um, a real... Is it a real, like, move, kind of... Just
3: a good move in general in every facet of life.
1: Of course. Yeah. But, like, is it, like, a real, like... Is it like a bartering thing? You say, come on, I need this help. Like, is it a real, um, It's a very corporate? You know, like, in a corporate, like, you feel like you've done it. It's, it's not corporate
3: at all. It's actually cash only, which is really strange, but they That's, are. They're Italian. They're just fucking. <laughs> nice. they're just, it's just like the highlight of my fuck day that I get to just go in there and just talk to lovely old Italian guys, or middle-aged Italian guys. Yeah,
2: it's like old school neighborhood vibe.
3: Yeah, yeah they're just, like they just fucking cut meat. That's their world. Like, they don't you know they're not like on Instagram they're not like doing crazy shit they just cut meat go home to their houses and I'm sure they have wonderful wives and they go back and they cut meat it's a great life mm-hmm.
1: so they get when they get do they get the full cow? They're, they're getting the full things yeah yeah
3: yeah so they'll they'll dry age they have this like little dry age area in their basement so they'll dry age their own stuff um, yeah it's, it's just a great place like places like that are what makes New York restaurants great you know mm. They sell steak there and stuff like that. Yeah, they sell everything. Sell everything. They make their own sausage. Yeah, I could talk about that place for. Hours We're gonna have to go over hours. there. We're gonna have to oh, go yeah. over there, John uh, Marco. Uh, what's uh, what's
0: up your podcast? What's the deal with that?
1: So it's called the downside. Uh, I have people on to talk about the downsides of of their life. It's a place where I have people where they can feel free to complain. And be negative and not tell me, well, I am grateful for this. They can just talk about the other shit. And we've had a lot of comedians, but we've really expanded to we had a, we had a mortician on. We had a chef Whoa. who works at Butter. Michael Jenkins is his name. Cool. And, you know, we get to talk about the downsides of working in a kitchen, the downsides of going to culinary school, the downsides of preparing a body. And I feel like it's, it, it gives a place for people to really... Tell the stories that maybe don't make them look good, but mm. in the space where I'm like, go for it. We're all fucking human.
0: What's the downside of comedy?
1: Oh my god, the downside of comedy. <laughs> just one. <laughs> this is this is one of the upsides. Beginning to well, yeah, we a free yeah, meal in
0: the middle of the day. This comes from you know uh, touring so many clubs. You know, you'd walk into a place and uh, they'd be like, "Oh, you're, you're the comic. Here's the menu, just the
1: left side." And you're like, "What? Oh, just mozzarella sticks. Just say that. Just say that. Don't." <laughs> I had a moment. I was working at a comedy club called City Steam Brewery in Connecticut. I know it. And I've worked it enough. I sell well for them. And it was one of those where they said, you can order anything but the salmon. And I'm a healthy boy. And I said, I'm getting the salmon. It was, it was, and I've been there a lot. And I said, I'm getting the salmon or I'm not performing tonight. And I wouldn't do that everywhere. But I felt like I had gotten to that place where I was like, I'm not going to not order something off the menu. And I got it. And they asked me back, and I said, okay, that is a that's a
0: ludicrous I'm at. situation. But that's, I mean, and that's really why this podcast is doing yeah. so well, I guess we're getting, is because we're just giving comedians a little bit of respect.
3: Yeah. Like, what you do you love? What, how it. do we make you feel Definitely good? Definitely got the
0: salmon. And uh, uh, City Steam, yeah, I've, I've played there a bunch. Uh, I was in Rhode Island at Catch a Rising Star. It was a, uh, a dog track casino. I don't know if you've ever Really? Super clut That's awesome. Nah no it's not. <laughs> no it's just really just wow. you know who's betting on dogs?
3: I've never bet on dogs before I would one hundred percent. I was it. opening for Geraldo. Really? Yeah.
1: Wow. I opened for him a couple times. My manager was his manager, Rick Dorfman. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he tells me so many Geraldo, so he loved him.
0: We're playing there. I think it was one of the times Greg had just got out of rehab, really nice. And uh the owners, you know, who they're like, Hey, we got this great steakhouse right next door. Um get whatever you want and then because I was opening so they turned to me and they go you don't get anything and Greg goes ah oh, what 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 it, uh, oh okay you you eat my steak I want you to order every steak on the menu and I want you to eat it and that's what he did
1: wow was he was he astounding comedically
0: yeah, um, the few times I worked with him, like he was also coming off of like rehab hiatuses, and he would always say, "Be like, ah, I, I think you're gonna have to go long because I haven't done 45 minutes, in you know, you know, two months, so I don't know if I'm gonna be able to cover." He had no problem covering.
1: That's amazing.
0: Yeah, he was a, he was an ah. interesting cat, man. Um, nice guy, like to have a good time.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, one of his one of his sons was working here at the Comedy Cellar for a little bit. Really? Yeah, I think he's doing comedy now. Is that right? Yeah, he started doing comedy. What's his name? It's it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a great Doraldo.
1: Fuck yeah. I'll have to check him out. Great comedy name. <laughs> would you
3: would you not want your kids to get into comedy?
2: Absolutely not.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna have to go hard now. I would immediately tell my kids to not become a chef. Absolutely. Really? hundred percent. Yeah. Why? It's a terrible life, man. If you if you wanna do it. If you want to, like, go balls deep into it, it's just a lot of hours and, you know. You'd be like, you're going to have to make food for a no-name comedian at the comedy that, show That's or the worst part, yeah. <laughs> this, this is the, the single-hand worst part of my career right now.
1: I, I would tell them, go for it if they were funny. Uh, okay. If they weren't funny, then, then that's my personal no, you nightmare. It's like, child, my girlfriend though. is not in comedy, but even if she was, she's very funny. And so I don't have to lie okay. to her. But
0: you, can't, you also can't gauge those things. You know what I mean? Like, some people might be funny around other people and not funny around other people. He's it's your-
1: kid,
3: too, so it's like you're just going to want them to be funny. Sure, so but you know, I, think,
1: I think Richard Pryor, if he had been around, he would have told his son, don't go up at the Apollo. You're going to get booed. You ever see that clip?
3: No, it's not
0: fair because Don Rickles' kid is doing touring with his act. And really? Yeah, you didn't know that? She, from what I understand, not so good. <laughs>
1: Does she, does she get like, cause Don Rickles got away with some pretty racist stuff cause he was grandfathered in. Yeah. Does she get to inherit the allowed racism? <laughs> I mean,
0: I suppose we could Google it, but that's it's really funny. If I would she's love like, to see a clip of that. That's, that's incredible. It's, it look, it's comedy's hard, man. You gotta, you actually have to want to do it. You clearly wants to same do it. You're thing, still, man. so you're playing at the best comedy club in the world, the comedy seller. And he's also playing at the worst comedy <laughs> club in the world. LOL. in the same night.
1: I wanna, that, is that. A, that is a sickness I want to make a book called The Worst Comedy Club In the World To do, uh, I love oral history books Where it's comprised of everyone Just kind of their quotes and you build the book out of that And it would be about Ha And LOL Because I just feel like so many comedians went Dangerfields, I
0: love Dangerfields For a lot, of, a lot of the wrong reasons Like it was so classic and all the waiters wore the red vests And the audiences were always difficult This Just bringing it back to food when I got there at Dangerfields, when I finally passed, I think I was 29, and they were like, jeez, you're the youngest one here, <laughs> which I was by far. So funny. And they go, okay, so you get a meal, get a hamburger, or whatever it is. You got to go downstairs and tip the cook uh, two bucks. And they go, why well, two bucks? They were very specific about that. They go, well, if you tip the cook was uh, a Chinese guy named Lao, If you tip him more than two bucks, you're going to make us all look bad. So don't give him more than two bucks. And if you don't tip him two bucks, he's gonna use the bad meat. And I go why is there bad meat? <laughs> like, uh, I was about what, to say that. Yeah, why should there, there be no meat? why is there bad why
1: is there and do they get to put like if a customer's shitty, like a little mark on the ticket to be like, give him the bad meat. Fuck. I sad. don't know.
0: I hope they were just lying to me, but like it was uh yeah, it was it
3: seems unnecessary and Yeah.
1: I went to Dangerfields when I was like Fucking 13, 14, 15, and I would do anything to know what comics I saw. Uh, you know, what year? I gotta look it up. But I think I was 15, so that would have been, I mean, that would have been 2003, 2004.
0: I, I wasn't working there at that time. Um, I just remember,
1: and you, is, there's an age, there's a magical age to see stand up comedy. Yeah. And I think at least for, for a boy, it's like you're a teenager, and you can't believe they're saying these things on stage. I saw Ralphie May when I was 15. So probably Steve Marshall oh.
0: also. He would have been there. Oh, yeah. Steve was the guy who like would do an hour at the end of every show. Uh-huh. Steve Marshall, probably J.J. Ramirez.
1: Probably J.J. Probably J.J. Now that you say that, uh, who I work with now, and um, at LOL. But I remember seeing Ralphie May at 15, and he had a long, long bit about just different fingering techniques. And at that age, like, that was the greatest thing I'd ever seen in my entire fucking life.
0: I saw Russ Meneva-Carolines, and he was so, so good. Uh, he had this, this uh, joke about, uh, ah, these sharks are getting uppity, huh? Because <laughs> you read in the paper every day, unprovoked shark attack. <laughs> Do we need the word unprovoked? <laughs> like, there's a guy in the Jersey Shore just like, hey, shark, you looking at me? I got something you could bite on. <laughs> a, I'm, I'm killing. That's a drug, no, that but great. Yeah, yeah, like it was just so good.
1: Yeah, who, it's it's just amazing to, you know, you think about it now, where you're like, yeah, there's lineups now that anyone can see for cheap, and one day it'll be like, who's on it? Whoa!
0: Dangerfields to me was always a, a bridge and tunnel crowd, very Brooklyn, Bronx, very New York, uh, tough, tough. Uh huh. You know, I remember uh, one night I was I was picking on a guy in the front. And I got off, and he got up to follow me out, and I really thought he was going to hit me.
1: And uh, oh. he, he goes, "Hey," he gives me fifty bucks. He goes, "No one ever talks to me like that." <laughs> I go, ah. "That's so funny." That's him, like finding out that he likes to be—he's uh, uh, into that.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it was—it was, it was just—it was a, a oh. wild club, you know. Like they didn't have bouncers.
1: Oh. That's, yeah.
0: That seems dangerous.
1: Oh, but, but neither did ELO, does ELO, I mean,
2: How many clubs besides the cellar do? New
1: York Comedy, Comedy Club, 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 Club seems to do a pretty good job with it. But so many clubs don't have...
3: Now local they local don't. Houses. They used to. Where is
1: L.O.L.? Stand-Up and, New York doesn't, is, I don't think. What is L.O.L.? No. It's like Hell's Kitchen now. Yeah, now it's, it's, a, it's a 46th Street between 8th and 9th. And it's just a, a bar. You walk in and the showroom's right Oh,
0: there. it's on 40... It's a Restaurant Row? Mm-hmm. Because that's where the original ha was between 8th and 9th and 46th. And then they moved to Times Square, and then it became LOL, and wow. I guess they're just moving back.
1: I guess so. I wish they went back. I just like the time, man. Cause you I got to tell you, Raf, you were killing
0: it, dude, every comic cleans the bowl. It's amazing. Thank you, sir. That's what we're here to do. If you want more, knock
3: yourself out, man. You sure? Yeah, yeah. I got I to gotta do this movie thing I'd love to see that. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan just has a bite or two, and he, uh, he's, he's actually watching his figure.
1: Oh yeah,
3: but well, I used
0: to be 320 pounds, so I
3: gotta I gotta fight the good fight. But uh, I That's also great. have to I gotta go do a uh, well, warm up in a few minutes, and like you can't. You know. I'm in the same boat. Yeah, I, I cannot eat. I gotta go work. Yeah. Plus I'm on all sorts of opioids. It just doesn't.
1: <laughs>
2: you too.
0: Doesn't you as well? Well, let's plug some stuff so we can get you out of here. You got a tasting to go to. Uh, what yeah, else are you doing? Do. You have your podcast. You're obviously performing, headlining LOL. We need to make sure that. <laughs> You can be seen here at the comedy cellar. What else you got going on?
1: Uh, I'm going on tour. I mean, I'm all over, all over the country. Uh, uh, So just find me on Instagram at Gianmarco Seresi. I'm touring every weekend. And next year's filling up too. So just check me out.
0: He's a funny dude. He's one of the few comedians that you go, all right, he can play any position. He can open, he can close, always brings a show, always working on material, really, uh, truly loves comedy.
3: you can find me at MYC on the social media platforms. And my company is Something Good Host- Hospitality. It's somethinggood.myc is, is our Instagram. And somethinggoodhospitality.com is our website. Feel free to DM or reach out to us on the website to book an event.
0: Yeah, my name is Ryan Reese. You can find me at RR Comedy on Instagram. This is The Cheat Day Show, The Cheat Day Show on all platforms. Uh, always every Monday at the Comedy Cellar, but we're here pretty regularly. And uh, yeah, cheat well, guys. Enjoy your meals. Later.
1: Thanks for listening to the Cheat Day Show podcast. To learn more about our show, the hosts, the comedians, our guests, our chefs, and more, visit our website, thecheatdayshow.com. Also, follow along with us on our social media at The Cheat Day Show on Instagram and Twitter. Future episodes can be found in all the places you get your favorite podcast. Our show is also sponsored by the world-famous Comedy Cellar on McDougal Street in New York City's Greenwich Village. Visit ComedyCellar.com for show lineups happening seven days a week. Later, cheaters.